Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined by Anthony Irwin. And the Lakers are 0-5 in the preseason. Anthony, how are you feeling? Wait, there was a Lakers game tonight? <laughs> Hold on. All right, can are we you re- telling me I, you I just go watch. engage with Laker fans on Twitter just anytime? <laughs> I got to go watch and then I'll come back and we'll re-record this thing. Okay. No, I paid attention. I, I had Jen lets me put up the two. This is the only time of year that Jen lets me get away with the two screen TV thing. Uh, and it's and it's simply because the Vikings and Saints will occasionally play at the same time. So she'll like that's the excuse here. So like, hey. If we have the two TVs up, we can have both these games on at the same side so- at the same time. It just so happens that NFL football, NBA preseason, MLB postseason, hockey is getting underway. It's all ha- like this is the best time of the year for for sports, and and uh, I'm trying to get her to let me put up a third TV. We'll see. <laughs> So the Lakers did play preseason game. Uh, it was the debut of the big three, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis all playing together. Although all of the Lakers best depth or much of the Lakers best depth was unavailable. Um, and Lakers still lost. What was it? The final score against the golden state warriors was one eleven to 99. Um, it was kind of close. And then uh, the, the deep bench of the Lakers sort of let it go. Uh, I have come to realize that I will accept DeAndre Jordan being on the court if it prevents Cam Oliver from being so. So <laughs> that's where I've landed. Uh, honey, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we got the big three together. And that meant Anthony Davis started at the five alongside Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington. Gosh, I've already forgotten. It was not Wayne Ellington. It was Carmel Anthony. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Ellington in the yeah, Ellington five. was out tonight. With yes, Ellington, along with mm-hmm. Monk, THT, uh, and Ariza were all still out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. And um, basically me. Like, basically. <laughs> I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Until already, the Dodgers started pulling away, I was I was out for the night. I've already the, mis, misread the starting lineup, even though it is literally <laughs> sitting right in front of me on the website. Like, yeah, uh, I'm very happy that the Dodgers won, but that also meant that it was just a very hard time to focus on the Lakers tonight. But hey. Yeah. Also hard for the Lakers to focus tonight because my goodness, that first half was sloppy. Um, do you think that this was just, you know, the Lakers in preseason mode, we're still trying to figure out how these three play together or, I mean, five games in, are, are you taking any like massive takeaways away from preseason or we're still very much in wait and see mode? Yes. And like to quote Darius, yes and no. Um, mostly No. Because like this is the very first time these three guys have been on a, on on the court against a different team at the same time, right? So other than Team so, USA in twenty twelve, right, right. Well, an NBA team, an NBA <laughs> team. <laughs> uh, this is the first time that they've played an NBA team uh, together, and and so like there are going to be wrinkles. Like I still think Russ is overpassing. Like, I, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, if you're going to play Anthony Davis at the five, you really have to focus on spreading the floor as much as possible. And then just telling Russ, like, just go dunk the ball once. Like, honestly, it's funny how much of my analysis is based on is a player who can dunk dunking. Like, this is something I'm learning about myself as somebody who watches basketball is like Anthony Davis can dunk. How often did he dunk last year? Way less than he did in, in years prior. Okay. That's bad. Anthony Davis can dunk. How often is he dunking this year? Way more often than he did last year? Okay, that's great. 
<laughs> like I feel way better. And and I think here with Russell Westbrook, it's kind of the same thing where he is driving and he's he's actually spoken to this where he is driving, looking to pass and the teams are playing him to pass. And I think the obvious counterpunch here is just go dunk the damn ball. <laughs> like You are the most athletic point guard ever, like bar none. There is no more athletic, great point guard in the history of basketball. And, and so go, go do stuff that your body allows you to do. So I, I think some of that stuff, like those wrinkles were, were to be predicted. I also find it funny though, because when the Lakers were merely zero and four and getting blown out every game, Laker fans were telling me, Hey, don't overreact. It's just preseason. This team is fine. It's going to be fine. And then the, the, the Lakers were beating up for like one three minute stretch. They went on like a 13 0 run against the Golden State Warriors team that didn't have Steph Curry, didn't have Klay Thompson, didn't have Draymond Green, didn't have like Jonathan Kaminga or oh, we don't need to put Kaminga James Wiseman. <laughs> like, like, no, I'm just talking about like just rotation players. This was this was like a skeleton's crew with arthritis. And and like Laker fans were out there saying, see, I told you is a championship team. And I'm like, so both those things can't be right at the same time. And I think that's where I land. Like that's, that's literally where I like, if those are the two ends of the spectrum where I'm not going to freak out about Owen four getting your butt kicked every night. And I'm also not going to overreact to 13 0 run against the crap golden state warriors team. I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, it's bad enough that I have to read your tweets, Anthony. You don't have to replay them on our podcast recordings. <laughs> But my, yeah, I, my, my Twitter following is dwindling. So I think more people <laughs> are listening to this. I know more people are listening to this right now than seeing my tweets. You know, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I sort of land similarly. Um, I, I was a little disappointed about how sloppy it was to start, but then, yeah. you know, LeBron sort of goes on these like couple minute stretches where he is just a menace in transition, bullying his way down the lane, like scores what six points in 30 seconds, you know, most of it's just, running through the defense, the length of the court. I um, mean, those yeah. are the kind of things that I expect to see from the Lakers, right? I expect to see them as this really strong physical transition team. Um, it's just annoying because so many of those baskets were complemented by Warriors transition baskets on the other end, which is not something that I've you yeah, know, grown accustomed to. Yeah. So like there were things that I liked in this game, you know, things we hadn't seen obviously in previous Lakers preseason games because of the players who were available, right? Like the Anthony Davis, pick and roll partnership with whether that was Rajon Rondo, who seems so happy to be back with the Lakers and yeah, with his good buddy, Anthony Davis. Um, yeah. Like, Those guys look Rondo so much happier than they were Rondo has come back to year. Anthony Davis so many times in his career. <laughs> it's just great to see. <laughs> um, maybe that's the reason AD wasn't dunking last year. Like that's, that's gotta be part of it. Um, part of it. I <laughs> shockingly enjoyed the Rajon Rondo Russell Westbrook partnership, just because those two are such excellent outlet passers and you put them together and the ball just zips down the mm-hmm. court. It's really, really impressive. Um, I didn't quite understand how that backward pairing was supposed to work. And then I realized, oh, Rondo played with Caruso quite a bit. And Caruso is mm-hmm. just about as respected of a spacer as Russell Westbrook is. Um, and that they made that happen. So there's, you know, little inklings of a partnership there. Um, I thought Dwight has continued what has been a really solid preseason for him. Um, I know it yeah. started off kind of weird with the, the six fouls and the flagrant and the technical in the debut but um just defensively he has been as good as I remember um and you know still active on the offensive glass just uh a heel you know for opposing teams and just you know calling for the (laughs) the the cheers from the Lakers crowd like it's yeah I find myself just 
pushing 2012, 13 Dwight completely out of my memory because how much I enjoyed this Dwight, you know, over the past two years or so, which is mm-hmm. just a shocking thing to admit considering how bad it was the first time around. But hey, you know, Dwight looks great. Um, and and then Austin Reeves, like <laughs> this guy's wild. Just it's so crazy. Incredible. Like, yeah. So we went through this thing in the summer league when it was like, okay, Mac McClung is going to be the new Alex Caruso. And suffice to, to say that, that, that wasn't quite, didn't quite work. <laughs> um, I'm not even sure it was the same school. I think it's like A&M and tech, but like still Texas schools. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, and now here, you know, Austin Reeves comes in hillbilly Kobe and he just, he looks like a player, right? Yeah. Uh, he's, he got to play with four Lakers starters and him as the fifth guy for extended stretch at the end of the second quarter. And like, this is preseason, whatever. I don't think Frank Vogel is putting him there unless he thinks, okay, maybe there's a, a way I could envision Austin playing with this group. And that to me was more impressive than anything, not so much how he played, but that, Hey, Vogel recognizes that this might be something that could work. He also like looked like he belonged. It wasn't, it wasn't even like, uh, so what, what tends to happen with two way guys and especially later round picks that you don't know of, you have such low expectations that you find yourself going like, Whoa, look at this guy. He can dribble the ball and walk Holy at the same crap. time. <laughs> yeah. He like makes a three point. You're like, Hey, you go kid. But like now when he's shooting it, he's almost reaching that point where I'm like, kind of sort of expecting it to go in. And when he has the ball in transition, I'm kind of sort of expecting him to make the right read. And when he has the ball, like defensively, right? He's just kind of sort of expected to make the right read. And that's how he gets on the court in, in a situation like you're talking about. Yeah, he was making himself skinny through these screens, like fighting through. Well, I mean, rolls. to be fair, not very difficult for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I know Jordan Bell doesn't set the best screens, but yeah, like just that level of activity. Very impressive. Um, there was, you know, one play at the end of that second quarter where I think LeBron runs a pick and roll in the middle of the key and like skips it over to Austin in the corner and just swish. And it's like, well, hey, like that's an action that is very replicable. <laughs> yeah. Well, he actually what really blew me away. There was a play today where the ball swung over to LeBron and it was a quick swing to the corner. And he made some terrible like no look catch on the like catch and release pass. Right. And he mm-hmm. just and he like threw it behind, way behind Reeves. And um, actually said my bad like that, that <laughs> normally it's like, <laughs> like I've seen young guys say like my bad in that when they fail to spot. catch an uncatchable ball. Right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sorry. I didn't catch a ball that was behind Deandre Jordan's head on the bench. My bad LeBron, but no, LeBron was like, no, 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 that was, that was me. <laughs> that's my bad. And, and like, that's a level of respect. Like you're talking about guys who were kind of starting to see like, Hey, this is, this is a player. Now, I don't, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm not really like planning on Austin Reeves minutes over the course of the season. I think I mean, if that I happens, am. that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get so far out and, 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 and hop out on that limb quite yet. But, you know, of players who have been like, not even like this is, this is separated from expectations. He has been legitimately impressive. Not, holy crap, this guy is not terrible expectations. Like this guy has actually been good. And I think for, for somebody in his situation, that's the most that you could possibly ask for. 
and we, we tend to do this, you know, as Laker fans during the preseason, right? Like we yeah. got irrationally excited about Taylor Horton Tucker last year and thought like, oh, I mean, this kid's going to be most improved player. Like how are we going to keep him out of the rotation? And like, yeah. you know, maybe got a bit ahead of ourselves. Like, yeah. Uh, Offered him a contract. I, he probably shouldn't have gotten. I uh, what? thought Who Kyle that? Kuzma was going to be a multi-time all-star after his summer league preseason. <laughs> um, you know, obviously we've been through this with Alex Caruso. So I'm, I'm trying to like rein in some measure of expectation because again, preseason basketball, no step, no Draymond, no clay. Like this is not a real warriors team, even though the number of times I looked out and like saw Christios on that, Oh, that kind of looks like Steph Curry on my phone. But <laughs> uh, I, I do agree with you. Like there's like a, a baseline competency to his play. And like with the continual thinning of the Lakers backcourt with all of these injuries that have, you know, taken place over the last couple of days, I think there's an opportunity and I don't know how much of an opportunity that is, but like over the first couple of weeks of the season, I, I could see him just getting spot minutes, like not, you know, to the extent that he's getting in these games, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I think I'd be more surprised than not if he did not get out of garbage time for like the first two months of the season. Yeah. I, what helps is that the Lakers have a pretty soft opening to this season. Mm-hmm. And so the hope there is that they have some garbage time that where he proves himself capable in actual NBA games to, you know, see how he looks in, in real minutes, non-garbage time minutes. So I think that's really going to help him. And then, yeah, like you're saying, it might just be born out of necessity. Like the Lakers are still sitting on a 15th open roster spot. And instead of signing James Ennis, <laughs> they went out and signed somebody who um, our buddy Cranjus <laughs> declared one of the least productive players over the last two seasons in uh, Sekou uh, Dumbaya. So, so like, you know, it's, it's uh, they, they are extremely thin and especially thin, by the way, at like that six, six to six, eight range. Mm-hmm. And, and he's not like a, he's not a ball handling guard. He can like, you know, in, in, in spots, occasionally handle like a, a pick and roll with him and Anthony Davis. Uh, but for the most part, I wouldn't recommend it. Making, no. <laughs> I, you want him making like secondary reads and you want the ball kind of, he's really like what I, what I am the most impressed with, with, with uh, watch, watching him play is the extent to which he, he knows how hard people are going to be closing out on him. And he is really good at attacking those closeouts and, and, and for players who aren't the most athletic, like that's how you become more athletic is by utilizing the, uh, the defense's motion against them to make yourself more quick. And I think here in this case, this is where he's actually being able to do that. So, so I, I think in terms of regular minutes and stuff like that, I'm not really setting in any expectations right now, but could I see him proving time and time and, you know, game in game out over the last or the, over the first couple of weeks, or a week or so of the season in garbage time to say like, Hey man, like we saw what he did in the preseason. Here's what he's doing in an NBA game. albeit in garbage minutes. Let's see what he does. Like when, when, when the score isn't out of hand. Yeah. That closeout thing is a really good point. Um, he had this really nice baseline uh, drive ended in a reverse that like, I think would have brought the lid off of Staples center had he made it, but didn't yeah. quite go in. <laughs> it's so funny with him. <laughs> God forbid he ever dunks the ball, yeah. right? Like if this guy dunks the ball, 
Remember Ryan Kelly had a dunk to end like a preseason game or to something win like that? A, uh, win a, a preseason game, yeah. yeah. yeah like, Staples Center went bananas. It really shows how far we've come. But if this guy ever gets out and dunks the ball or dunks it on somebody, like it, heads might explode. Like Harrison's I, head might explode. I don't see him as the Caruso replacement. I see him more as a, um, you know, a, a KCP type player, like a shooter yeah. runner, you know, don't want him handling the ball kind of guy. Uh, that's, yeah. that's don't the lane I see Austin Reeves. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I, I want to circle back to the team in general really quick, because what I've learned over the course of preseason is that like, I have two main questions about this team as formulated especially with uh, LeBron, Russ, and AD out there together, is A, can they play enough defense to get out and transition? And B, if they cannot, can they execute well enough in the half court to, to, to make up for that, right? And I think both of those, I, I don't think we've answered either of those questions, come close to answering either of those questions. Not saying that they are not capable of doing either of those things, but like literally right now we have, I think combined today, they played maybe 15, 20 minutes together out on the court today. Probably not even that much. Yeah. yeah. And so, so right now, if we have just trying to, you know, stack up data as it stands right now, we don't have enough to, to answer that one way or the other. My question is for you, like, do you agree with those being kind of the central <clears throat> questions that, they need to answer and and if you had to answer them one way or the other heading into the season affirmative or negative which way would you answer them yeah i actually was was pleasantly surprised with the half court defense um you know when they got you know their five set against golden state on offense and again i'm just going to keep repeating this like not a real golden state offense that was playing against them i thought it looked pretty decent you know they were able to get out in transition i thought their transition defense was just super super sloppy um, and that's going to kind of be the case yeah. when, you know, AD is more often in the paint and less able to just, you know, leak out from the top of the key where he was more often stationed when JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard was playing center. And then you have Russ who's constantly going for offensive rebounds and that throws off your floor balance again too. Right. So I think the transition defense is really what I'm more concerned about. And that could be more of an issue if their half court defense suffers, their half court offense suffers because they're going to be turning the ball over. Um, but in the half court, like I thought they were more disciplined than I expected. Um, it looked like they just, they're just a smart defensive team, right? Like Dwight is a smart yeah. defensive player. LeBron is a smart defensive player, like 80, like those three are just 99th percentile of IQ defensive players. Right. And that yeah. just tends to trickle down to the rest of the guys and, and talented though, enough to execute on that execute right, on right? that IQ. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that like the rest of the team has that level of talent, but that IQ certainly helps just telling them where to go is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought the the half court defense was, was better than I expected. Um, and really my, my questions are just more on the half court offense because I think the Lakers could get themselves in sticky situations where they're just, you know, kicking the ball out to Russ with pockets of space at the wing. And what is he going to do? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's where my question still lie. And again, this was just game one. So I'm not sure uh, what the plan is for us in those situations. I would like to see him, you know, kind of do what Reeves does, like attack those pockets of space, just like he did against the Lakers back when he first joined the Rockets. And, you know, they were shading off of him. I'm not talking about like the bubble playoff series. I'm talking about like the regular season games when 
uh, they still played off of him, but he managed to exploit those yeah. gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm hoping to see from Russ. And I mean, we're not there yet. I don't know if he's just trying to figure out the lay of the land or they haven't gotten to that part of it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm not nearly as concerned about the defense as I thought it would be. Uh, maybe just because like it just looked better against a, a, a lack of an offense, but um, I think there's enough just smarts on that end to figure it out, especially when you have Vogel, like, you know, coaching him up, but I'm, I'm much more concerned about the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. The, the defense is something that, you know, they, they talked a lot about accountability and sacrifice and stuff like that. And I think this is one place where Russ is really going to benefit from playing with LeBron and playing with AD in that they are capable of telling him, Hey man, you can't die on that screen there. You know, right. that was, that was Jordan Bell setting that screen. Austin Reeves just made himself skinny and got around that shit. So you got to be able to like get around it and, and at least be able to contest. If I meet your guy at the level of the screen, you got to be able to recover well enough to, to, to make him notice that you're out there on, on a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I, I agree with you completely about the defense. And, and then also like, they are just such great athletes still that absolutely. I, I just, there's so much wingspan and athleticism out there. And especially when you have Baysmore, right. And, right. You know, if it would be nice to have one more non mellow guy, like it, I, I know that people think I'm obsessed with James Ennis at this point. And I kind of am, but, but as like obsessed as James Ennis is with the Lakers, <laughs> you know, the feeling is mutual. James come on the pod. I have James never Ennis, seen coming. such a thirsty guy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to send, I'm going to, I'm going to follow him and see if he'll answer a DM to come on the show and make the case as to why the Lakers should sign him. Even though I've made it like 73 times. For him. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but if they had somebody like Ennis out there who has the, the wingspan and has the athleticism to be able to fill that last gap there, because you saw it on a couple occasions where right rotation, right rotation, right rotation, ah, shit, mellow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it was, and, and like nothing against mellow. I think he's been better than I thought he was going to be on defense. And it's because my, the bar was underground. Um, it, he's just not that kind of a defender. He's not that kind of an athlete. And with Ariza out and with Taylor Horton Tucker out, they don't have that kind of an athlete. They don't. And and because they didn't bring back Alex Caruso, they don't even have the opportunity to have that kind of an athlete as a perimeter defender. And then you just go smaller, you know? So uh, it would be nice to see one more defender out there with like a juggernaut defensive team that just clamps down and gets out Mm -hmm. in transition uh, because they don't have that, that's where I get back to the second question here is like, can they execute well enough offensively to make up for it? And I think for some stretches, they might be able to, but I still need to see LeBron and Russell Westbrook more active when they don't have the ball. Like I, I, one of the things that, you know, one of the, the, the stupid analogies that I've made over the course of the off season is like, I wanted to see what these guys do the first time that they're on the court together uh, because that's like the first day of school and that's where you put your, your best foot forward. You try to set up all these habits and, and, and try to really implement them and, and ingrain them in your brain so that when you get to game 47, you don't revert back to the habits that you had when you were the first or second best player, but instead really focus on the things that you have to do, this being Russell Westbrook, as the third best player. And I and and I didn't see quite enough of that tonight. I wanted to see more Russ setting a screen or 
or LeBron setting a screen for Russ or, you know, what is LeBron doing? Is it, can LeBron set some kind of a, 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 you know, a flare screen or a pinch down screen on the backside so that as AD is rolling on one side and you have a shooter over there, they have to pay attention to that shooter. Can LeBron just kind of even feign a screen and dive to the ball, dive to the basket, like any of these things that would enable the team to execute on the offensive side well enough to make for, make up for, especially when the mellow is on the court for what they aren't going to have compared to seasons past on the defensive end. Yeah. And I think um, mostly today was just AD pick and rolls, which is great. Like, um, yeah, I, I, oh, I, I don't want to be so in a situation much. where I'm complaining about the fact that Anthony Davis is rolling to the basket most of the time on every single and actually rolling, That's like good, setting yeah. a screen and rolling, not yes, setting yeah. a screen and, and sort of like doing the Julius Randle, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like set a screen and then go post up where like you yeah. didn't, you just go post up. Like, mm-hmm. Don't waste our time. Just go post up. Yeah. So I, I'm happy that they're, you know, leaning into that heavily. Like if you're going to play 80 at the five, that's an excellent way of using him. And, you know, you start to sprinkle in the other stuff with the small pick and rolls later as we go along. Like, so yeah, I'm with you that I think that we're still in a very much like unknown phase of what's going to happen when Russ and LeBron are off the ball, which is why, you know, you have to commit to that stagger as much as possible, like getting them off mm-hmm. the court for one another. Uh, it just reminds me of like when, when like Kuz used to be the first sub for LeBron and it was like, oh my God, this lineup looks way worse than it did before. And like, that's the same <laughs> thought I had watching yeah. Russ come in for LeBron. And I was like, I mean, I know Russ is better than like the subs that they had last year, but it's still like, eh, it's, it's not quite the same. Well, so far this preseason, he hasn't been, but yeah. <laughs> His quote about turning the ball over and it not counting during preseason was one of my favorite things I've ever heard. You know what I, I saw today that made me laugh audibly, like laugh way harder than I probably should have? <laughs> Andrew Wiggins took an extra dribble to protect his field goal percentage in a preseason game. If that doesn't tell you that the guy is going to be a career loser more than anything, like I... You would have hoped that the vaccine would have helped with that stuff, but I guess not. I mean, this is why LeBron got rid of him and didn't include him in the letter, but uh, <laughs> just immediately. Yeah, I'm still waiting for, you know, Russ to dazzle on the court. Like there were, yeah. like I said, some moments in transition, like there was this one pass that he whipped. I, I forget to whom it was, but like, um, it was like from Rondo to him to like another guy, maybe it was Bazemore, but uh, other I know he than had one to LeBron. Was and it LeBron? LeBron finished the layup. Okay. Mm-hmm. Other than like the transition elements, uh, I'm still not sure about the rust fit. And obviously it's going to take some time, but him off the court is everything I'd hoped for in terms of him joining the Lakers. <laughs> it has been just truly, truly wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like we root for a team with like an insane amount of changeover. It's nice to just have like a good guy who is yeah, like just thrilled to be a Laker and yeah. says, you know, funny shit. And it's, it's great. <laughs> Not Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I, I, I'm, I look when they made the trade, especially because it came on the heels of not making the buddy heel trade. Mm-hmm. I wasn't exactly thrilled with it. And then you talk yourself into it. And I find myself now at this point, seriously pulling for him, not because not just because he's a Laker and I have a vested interest in the Lakers, contrary to what Twitter probably thinks about me. Uh, but but like I I find myself really rooting for Russell Westbrook because I seriously think that he wants to make this work. 
You know, it's not how he balances that with like his lifelong refusal to uh, tone down the Russell Westbrookedness of him. <laughs> but like, but again, that makes him Russell Westbrook. So like, I, it's almost impossible. Like I, I laughed about this with, um, with Chris Herring on, on my show earlier last week, where for some reason it's only sports that we demand people rewire themselves to fit into their situations in order to win. Right. Like it's not like a sales per like we, we actually probably should do that more with salespeople who become managers, right? Because when you're a salesperson, it's your sales, you're only focused on your sales and then you become a manager and you have to think about other people and you're like, why can't you do this? And it's because they aren't as good a salesperson as you and you can't relate to that person and you can't quite rewire yourself for the new position that you hold. And I think here with, with Russ, we're asking him again to rewire himself when him being Russell Westbrook is what allowed him to become a Hall of Fame player in the first place. So I, I like it's going to be a process and I find myself seriously rooting for him, not because like, hey, please fit into this, you know, to, into the context that helps the Lakers win a championship, but also because like if he figures this out, he wins a championship and he shuts a whole bunch of people up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, he's a guy to root for. He's a guy to root for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, I I'm aware that there are going to be some moments where it is challenging to watch him play because that has been the case for the Russell Westbrook experience for the last what 13 years since he's been in the league. I get it. Um, yeah. But hey, I'm I'm happy to be along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a ride. I think it's yeah. serious. <laughs> You're going to be on a preseason itself is this game by itself was a roller coaster right yeah, right everybody's beating their chests look at us go look at us go and golden shit, state only... immediately goes on a 10 nothing run again <laughs> we're up by three and golden state isn't playing steph and draymond or clay yeah. or white although clay was wearing a headband and looked like he was about to play right <laughs> it was amazing he's my favorite he's like, <laughs> he might go down as my favorite non-laker of all time they don't make like him he... like clay they really don't no no he's he's something else But we should hit on a couple bits of news before we get out of here. Yes. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker officially had surgery today. The Lakers said they are going to evaluate him in four weeks. I think the original timeline was like six to eight weeks. So mm -hmm. I guess that's just a check in, you know, before he comes back. Um, that sucks. It really does suck. But uh, you know, wish him all the best in his recovery. And the Lakers signed Seiko Dumboya to a two way deal. Um, so he and who's the other two way? Ayayi? Well, it? It's kind of odd, right? Like it was a Yai and then, yeah, I think it's a Yai right now. I think, I think now, those are the two the right one. now. But mm -hmm. um, Dumbuya was drafted by the Pistons in 2019. Uh, Troy Weaver comes in, sort of cleans house on the Pistons last year. He's uh, Dumbuya stays with the team, doesn't really play much, and then is traded to the Nets in the DeAndre Jordan trade earlier this offseason. Um Obviously, Jordan was waived, made his way to the Lakers. Tomboya was waived by the – or no, he was traded uh, to the Rockets mm -hmm. and then waived, um, and now he has found his way to the Lakers. So even though this is technically his, what, fourth team, um, although two of them decided they had no use for him even before having him suit up, he's only year three in the NBA. I want to say he's still like 21 years old. He was remarkably young when he was drafted. I think this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing with your two-way spots is finding mm -hmm. young talent that hasn't had a chance to showcase itself. And I 
particularly enjoyed watching Sega when he was on the Pistons in that 1920 season. So this is pretty cool. Um, I imagine it will have absolutely no impact on the Los Angeles Lakers this season, but it makes South Bay infinitely more interesting. Yeah. I mean, so I, I always kind of feel for these guys who get drafted and then you have a takeover and that takeover wants their guys in there, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not they actually like the player who is there. Like actually one thing that from um, Ethan Strauss's book about the Warriors is there's some tension sometimes with uh, the Warriors ownership, Bob Myers and, uh, and Steph, because Steph wasn't somebody that Bob Myers had any kind of impact on in terms mm-hmm. of the acquisition of him. And, and in, in Steph's case, he's such a superstar. It's just like, Bob, shut up about it. Yeah. <laughs> that you have Steph, you have Steph Curry on your team, but in other cases you see, you know, you see it here with, with Seiko and you see it all the time where a player who was always considered to be a project gets given up on because the new regime doesn't want to make the old regime's project works, you know? And, and, and so I, I just, I hope he figures it out, whether it's with the Lakers or with the two way or whatever, I'm really pulling for him. And I, and I, and that can be separate from, Hey, Lakers, you still need a wing who like an NBA player wing on this team. So I really hope that this isn't them like, Hey guys, we got our wing. We are good. (laughs) We're set here. (laughs) When, when like the only wings that the Lakers have on their team right now are who aren't LeBron James are, uh, Kent Bazemore and, <laughs> and uh, Austin Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Ariza had surgery. Monk has that growing strain. I, I think mm-hmm. Kendrick Nunn has something else too, right? Ankle. Ankle, yeah. right? So it's uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, like we just talked about, just got surgery. You know, we talked about how the Lakers were going to be creaky and would have to worry about their old guys getting hurt. And then everybody younger than Anthony Davis. All got the young guys. <laughs> All the young guys. But like, I like this is this is a thing. Injuries, this is the way injuries work. There are some that you can kind of predict. There are some that you can kind of see coming, right? Like we could kind of see it coming last year that maybe just maybe LeBron and Anthony Davis would break down after playing a a season that lasted longer than a calendar year. And then within a month, we're right back at working towards their very next season. Like you could see why that team might deal with some injuries. And then, you know, heading into this one, like you, you could see that, Hey, Trevor Ariza is 36 years old. Carmelo Anthony is, is 30. What is he? 38, 37, 37. LeBron is, is, is 30 is, is going to be 38. And, and you have this older team and you're like, all right, yeah, they're probably going to deal with some injuries. Even if they don't deal with injuries, they're going to have some nights off. You are going to want to have as many professionals around as you can possibly have to make up for that kind of stuff. And, and that's where cheaping out on, on a roster really kind of hurts it. It really margin or it really hurts your margin for error where, and, and that's the whole point of building a roster that With is depth. around. Yeah. Like the, like the, if you, if you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis and you have now Russell Westbrook, you try to find ways to ensure that you don't screw this up. Right. Don't, don't make, don't have it be a decision of yours that bites you square in the butt over the course of the year. And, and, you know, I know people are probably sick of hearing me talk about Alex Caruso, but it's not just him. They have James Ennis right there. He's just waiting and they refuse to sign him 
because they don't want a guaranteed contract because that would impact their luxury taxes moving forward. And it's like, I'm sorry, man, but a championship to me is worth the eight or $9 million in salary, uh, in, in, in luxury taxes that you would incur by signing James Ennis, even if it means maybe just maybe you have to waive like DeAndre Jordan later in the season to be able to sign somebody who becomes available. DeAndre Jordan's like, he's bad. He's not good. Yeah, yeah he's bad. Um, <laughs> we figured this I, out now. I am shocked at how quickly it became clear that DeAndre Jordan was bad. Like I thought he would fool some people for a little while just because, oh, he can dunk and the Lakers yeah. weren't able to do that last year. Um, even so, it's been just overwhelmingly clear that he's not going to be playing important minutes for the Lakers this year. And like it, to already know that from the preseason is not great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's super clear, too, because the other options at center are Anthony Davis, who is, in my opinion, the best center in the league, uh, and Dwight Howard. One of who... the greatest defensive centers of all time. <laughs> well, that plus also does like everything that you want DeAndre Jordan to do just way better. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything is way better. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's in a he's in a lose lose situation here. Well, he's not even really. Like I was talking to some people around the league over the, like watching DeAndre Jordan play and, and they were just kind of sending me messages like, Hey, you know, what do you, how are you enjoying uh, the, the DeAndre Jordan uh, laziness factor here? And I said, like, at some point it's not even laziness. He's been lazy for going on half a decade now. <laughs> it's just who the guy is. Yeah. And so like, and, and, and anybody who watched any team that isn't the Lakers last year or over the last few years could have told you that this was coming. Yeah. Um, but the Lakers still have that 15th roster spot open and yeah. a guy in James Ennis, who not only is or liking all of their social media posts, but straight up said, I played defense, sign me, <laughs> which I was so impressed by the audacity of that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they have to be like following him on social at some point. Like they have to be like, just at least, you know, keeping an eye on him, uh, he also says that I just doesn't want... talk about the Lakers, doesn't yeah. talk at all about the Lakers, and everybody knew who he was talking about. <laughs> I just want him to be signed just like as a reward for all of the hard work he's put into this, you know? Like yeah. it would it would just feel really unfortunate if this was completely like unfulfilled. Um yeah. yeah. Uh because he's he's working. Uh he is he is putting himself out there and I it's it's really vulnerable and I, I feel for him. Like it's so I would love to be in the Lakers PR team offices when stuff like that. Oh, James Ennis tweeted about us again. We're, are we? We're not signing him. We're not signing. Oh, okay. Do, do you want us to like the? No, don't like it. Do you want any response whatsoever? No. Do you? Oh, you want that... us to block him? Oh. <laughs> All right. I, I guess that seems. Ex- oh, you're gonna do it yourself, Rob. All right. at this point he's got to go for a non-guaranteed deal right like i mean he feels desperate enough to do it evidently not right like because that's that based on what i know about the situation that is kind of the stalemate that they're at the lakers are asking him to take a a non-guaranteed deal and he's saying that you need me just as much as i need you it's it's really impressive just this like simultaneous desperation with also like a real hint of self-worth. Like yeah. I'm, I'm just more and more impressed <laughs> as we go along, the longer Italy. the standoff continues, but <laughs> we've 
probably talked more about James Ennis than any other potential future Laker ever. (laughs) And like, think about all the people that we have made future Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) And James Ennis is the one that has taken the ground. If he gets signed by somebody else, is he a former Laker? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like they should do a tribute video for him when he comes back. gonna be his tweets and his <laughs> likes up up on the screen it's staples center <laughs> you know what screw it retire his jersey and it's, it's just his at <laughs> he's like james the truth or something yeah yeah I, I do think that uh the if if we've learned anything from the preseason is that like there's just a little bit of size missing on the wing and mm-hmm. um it seems like there is an easy way to resolve that, but you know, we don't make the decisions here, Anthony. So uh, the Lakers <laughs> close out their preseason on Thursday against Sacramento, another game that I will be paying less than perfect attention to because the Dodgers have their game five on Thursday as well. Uh, but Hey, uh, I do hope that the Lakers win only because then we'll have to suffer through more comparisons between this team and 2012, 13, when they went 0 and seven in the preseason. So, so I have this stat. If I can find it really, really quickly, Spider-Man sent it to me. Here we go. Uh, this is from at spider M three, seven, nine, seven, nine, eight, nine, seven. Might be a bot, but we'll see. Uh, in, in the last 16 seasons, only one team has went winless in the preseason and then gone on to win the title. The 2020, 2021 bucks went only 0 and three. Uh, I don't that I don't find that as red flag. I was just opinionating there. Um, yeah, I, I look at some point you got to win one of these games, and this is the one of them that you probably should have won with. Yeah, this your is big one. three playing and their big three sitting. Yeah, I don't think they're going to beat the Kings actually because the Kings are trying very hard during the preseason. And yeah. um, well, and they have Damian. They Jones. take it personally against like <laughs> Damian Jones doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> he is buried on the bench behind five other centers and the Kings were like, no, you can't have him because you want him. <laughs> I'm taking this as like a personal slight from Luke Walton for all the times that I've said he sucks at coaching. He's just like, Oh, you want this guy? You really like this player? Well, watch him sit on my freaking bench. We've got Rashawn Holmes. We've got Tristan Thompson. We've got Alex Len Bagley plays the center. Metu plays the center. And then Damian Jones just, you know, chilling. Nothing hey man, to do. Get your get your money, Damian Jones. And then when you get bought out, demand a buyout. And then come here and we can wave DeAndre Jordan. And personally kick DeAndre Jordan off of the team. Oh man. Then it would be perfect. Then the Lakers would be perfect. That would be it. Yeah. I'd shut up. If well, he could learn I'm defense like from Dwight Howard. How about that? Yeah. I mean, he was legit good when no, he was he was serviceable. Compared to like what the other options were at the time. He could dunk the ball, which makes him an instant Anthony Irwin favorite. <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> he can dunk and would dunk. Like you Anthony cited a stat line from Damian Jones when we were recording where he had zero points and was zero of one from the field. All that gravity, baby. <laughs> just, just nonstop vertical gravity to open up the paint for everybody else. Well, here's hoping. Uh, This has been I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe to our show so you can hear talk about the Lakers every day of the week, multiple times during the day. We'll be back.
Yeah, 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 yeah